Just a heads up, we're going to swear a lot. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Please Hate This. I'm Amy, she, her pronouns. And I'm Kat, they, them pronouns. And this week we're going to take a nostalgic dive back into some rom-coms from the early aughts starring Jennifer Lopez. Because she is truly the rom-com queen of our childhood. In fact, when we were trying to come up with movies that we were going to cover... I think I kept getting different movies of hers confused. There were actually like five of them, but I thought there were only two. Yeah, and I think that the thing that bothers me about J-Lo rom-coms is that they just like don't do her justice. No, no. In terms of her talent or her beauty, I really think like people didn't know what to do or make changes to these movies to like accommodate the fact that J-Lo has like such a great presence Mm -hmm. and so you're watching these movies with these plots that would work for like normal people but you're like you're kidding this would never happen to j-lo look at her (laughs) yeah she decided to get into acting and make herself some money and she fucking went for it and i love her her tough movies but i think the rom-coms are so interesting because you know that's where the the bread is buttered like She's probably made so much money Mm -hmm. from just reruns of those movies on USA Network. (laughs) Yeah. So the ones that we watched, I watched Monster-in-Law. And I watched Made in Manhattan. Okay. Which I always got confused with The Wedding Planner for some reason. I think they came out around the same time. Once again, J-Lo-led movie. Yeah. Like, J-Lo is a lowly whatever she's in love with an unimpressive white guy Mm -hmm. at least in made in manhattan they like acknowledge the fact that she's latina Mm -hmm. in monster-in-law it's mentioned like three times and that's it and it like one of them is at the very end and i'm like okay this is like very strange because it's one of those situations where the mother is like very disapproving based on what her job is Mm -hmm. which like I said if it were you know just another actress like you Mm -hmm. could definitely focus on that but you're like no mom trying to set up her son to to cheat on his fiance that is J-Lo right is going to send like just like a basic blonde woman in to try to seduce him it's like that's not going to work it's J-Lo look at her she's a goddess (laughs) what if what if secretly Ben Affleck's mom is behind the whole being married to other Jennifer. (laughs) What if, what if Ben Affleck's mom is the (laughs) monster-in-law? Oh, it would be strange. Yeah. I would pay to see that movie. (laughs) But now she's probably really nice. I don't know. (laughs) I would, I would pay to watch J-Lo in almost anything because this is one of those time periods, like cultural moments where there was a specific amount of Latin representation in mm-hmm. media and culture, and it was, like, J-Lo and Shakira, and there was, like, Ricky Martin. But, yeah, it was, like, this very limited group of celebrities who, I don't know, just as a kid who has 
that background, like, just love to see it. I love to see it on mm-hmm. screen, and I'll take a bad rom-com if it means I get to see someone who looks a little like me. Not that J-Lo looks like me. Right. She's way too gorgeous. But, like, you know, on screen, and you just kind of, like, take whatever form it comes. And I just love that there's so much more representation now. It still needs a lot of work. But mm-hmm. at this specific moment in time, it was, like, J-Lo was – one of, like, the only actresses who was out there representing, like, a leading character. Yeah, and, like, the thing about these rom-coms that are made for white audiences is that, especially at that time, like, they're not going to cast a black woman as a lead in this rom-com. So J-Lo is ethnic light, Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. very much embracing like multiculturalism, like superficially, but at the end of the day, still like a choice, mostly based in colorism. Yeah, and this is one of like the the paradoxes that at least you know is being discussed with people who are Latin. Is like it's an incredibly diverse population. There's a lot of privilege baked into that based on colonialism and colorism and all of those Mm -hmm. things. So it definitely is one of those things, you know, who you are getting in front of the screen, who you are getting is still based on that gaze, which is definitely still problematic. For sure. For sure. And I mean, that's the reason, like, people are so obsessed with the Benefer storyline is it was always touted as so controversial. And it's like, Two famous hot people date news. You know, yeah. like it's not a leap. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. They did it so, so very publicly, I think. They did. They did. I remember the butt squeeze. And then they had an awful movie that we did not even watch that would qualify as a JLo rom com, but neither of us wanted to commit to doing <laughs> Geely. <laughs> like... Did they do Jersey Girl together too? think so i want to say ben was in that i thought jersey girl was the one where he had a daughter i don't know if j-lo was in it i thought j-lo was in jersey girl too for some reason i don't know but yeah doesn't that just seem like a movie that would be in her roster (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was definitely around the same time but yeah no i saw Julie like not right when it came out but i did see it and yeah it was really really bad everyone knows that (laughs) before we like really rip into JLo's library of work I would just like to shout out enough because that is my favorite thriller ever like me and Cynthia went to visit my parents in North Carolina and we had like plans that day to go do touristy shit and we were like two hours late getting out because we were watching enough on USA and we're like glued to the TV Mm mm-hmm and I still haven't seen the last, like, 45 minutes of it, and it really bothers me. It's really good. Yeah, I liked Enough, and I liked Out of Sight, which she was in with George Clooney, and she played a cop. I don't think I've seen that one. It's good, too. The thing that we want to, like, set up for this episode is that we think JLo is a really great actress, mm-hmm. and I like a lot of the work that she's done. This is about like the movies and how they like are set up around her that fail. Yes. Like it just doesn't come through. And just like in general, some of these like rom-com tropes that we see over and over again that deal with class and, you know, disparities and things like that and how they kind of just, 
they don't work. They need to do better. Mm -hmm. I know they're trying to do better now with rom-coms, but still. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, before we get into our specific movies, I just want to do a little background on rom-coms. Obviously, they've been around in one iteration or another for a long time. Um, The ones that we're specifically thinking about and the ones that I think come to mind for most people kind of start in like the mid to late 80s, like Can't Buy Me Love, One of the Guys, like Teen Witch, that kind of stuff. And then obviously like the 90s and early 2000s are gold. And we still have rom-coms, but I don't think they exist in the same universe. It's more of a like carbon copy Hallmark movie of the week during Christmas season type thing. It's very much like a you know exactly what you're getting. Mm -hmm. There's at least with some rom-coms they tried to like make a little bit of a point. I'm thinking here you've got male type things and you know don't support big business. We learned nothing, by the way, from that movie. I know. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) But yeah, and just now they don't try to, like, say anything other than, like, here's, like, sugar, here's, like, idealism entirely. Like, Harry Met Sally. Come on. That's, like, yeah, it's juicy. Yeah. I mean, they're really taking on, like, this idea of, like, friendship. And I know that there are ones now that kind of, like, try to do that, too. But, like, it's, it's just kind of, like... Oh, we're f- two incredibly hot friends who are friends. I mean, in when Harry met Sally, like they really did a lot to build their strong friendship mm-hmm. instead of just being like they're friends, they're friends, they're friends. But also, they're gonna hook up. The reason they were friends and not lovers from the beginning is because they were always in relationships with other people. It wasn't this whole like will they, won't they, hot guy thing. It was just like, oh, like I'm not even thinking of you that way because I have these. Mm-hmm. relationship boundaries and then over time that relationship changes yeah yeah so that's that's a good one but basically all rom-coms boil down to like like a hans christian anderson shakespeare or greek mythology <laughs> and sometimes they might be all three mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> most everything works its way back to greece as far as like western movies with like predictable plots you've got your 10 things i hate about you which is that taming of the shrew yeah which is also my fair lady which before shakespeare in greek mythology was pygmalion Mm -hmm. she's all that is the same story he's all that Mm -hmm. the new i can't remember if it came out in 2020 or 2021 but like right i think that was what got us started on this whole rant in the first place about (laughs) rom-coms was i was like i just saw that he's all that is a movie (laughs) but it's not a remake of she's all that it's a remake of can't buy me love which is a remake of my fair lady (laughs) yeah and another trope that's in there a lot which is less so with the j-lo ones but are the jane austen kind of derivative Mm -hmm. you have like the the guy who is rude to you at the beginning, but you end up, you know, charming in the end kind of thing. And rom-coms really mess up that trope. Jane Austen did it so well. There are, like, some key things that people just miss in retelling that story. Oh, for sure. It's And then, you know, even Jane Austen didn't come up with that. Mm-hmm. That's very, you know, country mouse, city mouse, which is Aesop's fables. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I think that's one of my favorite story threads is Country Mouse, City Mouse. He got Parent Trap, he got It Takes Two, and, you know, I guess you could argue that, like, Made in Manhattan has that element to it also. Kind of part Cinderella, mm-hmm. part trading spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's just, like, the basic, your family disapproves of you because they think or your partner, because they think that they are below you in some way, which is... Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and this is what happens in the movie that I watched, which was Monster-in-Law. And honestly, like, watching the credits, I was like, there are a lot of people in this movie that I really like. Dude, same with Made in Manhattan. I'm like, Stanley motherfucking Tucci? Right! Natasha Richards! Yeah! There's, like, some good names in here, and you know what? I can't hate. Like, if you think about it... If you're an actor, okay, that's your job. Mm -hmm. Not every job you have in any adult's life is going to be a passion project, okay? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I really enjoy cleaning people's houses, but I'd be lying if I said, like, I wouldn't just be okay with making all my money from podcasting. Mm -hmm. In reality, I make no money from podcasting. Mm -hmm. We do it for the love Mm -hmm. and the hate. (laughs) But, you know, like, these are money movies yeah they are not you know natasha richards probably i don't know she probably put in like a solid 24 hours of work for the whole movie and she just had to go oh oh i'm so rich (laughs) a few times and that's it and that's it and she got paid thousands and thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. like tell me you wouldn't do that of course yeah of course you would yeah of course you would she gets to wear like designers and get her hair blown out and throw it around in the wind and then she gets a payday yeah so yeah let's get into these movies yeah real quick before we get into our movies i do just want to like go through a list that i found on wikipedia of teen films based on works by william shakespeare and no matter where i looked i could not find a comprehensive list and i don't know why that was so funny to me But each list has, like, the same five movies, but then there's, like, one that's like, what? Mm -hmm. Why is that on there? So, Ten Things I Hate About You, obviously. Get Over It, which I think was Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Pretty sure Kirsten Dunst and Cisco are in that one. (laughs) I never saw that one. Here, I'm gonna click on it. Yep, it is. It is. Then Hamlet, obviously. Just one of the guys... Out of Nowhere Motocrossed, which is a Disney made-for-TV movie that, ironically, Cynthia and I watched a few months ago. (laughs) It's So this girl, like, wants to ride motocross, and her dad's like, no, it's only for boys. And so then she just, like, cuts her hair short and puts mud on her face, and then she's a boy. Good for her. (laughs) And guess what? Her name's Andrea, so she can just go by Andy, and it's not really a lie. Nice, nice. Yeah. (laughs) And then Romeo and Juliet, plus Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, Uh, classic. That was my first really, like, weird, violent art movie that I ever (laughs) watched. And I was like, what is this? I just came off of Titanic, and this is not what I was looking for. And then she's the man. But, like, this is not even close to a comprehensive list, so I just thought it was really funny. I'm like, why these movies? I have to say, I genuinely enjoy She's the Man. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. If you want to see, like, early Channing Tatum, <laughs> it's hilarious. That's true. They didn't mention O. Yeah. You remember the Othello yeah, remake? Yeah, like, with Julia Stiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's another one on here that's Rome and Jewel. 
never heard never of it. Heard of that. It came out in 2006. I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. Why is this on the list? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there's no point to that. So a little bit of background that I found interesting for Made in Manhattan is that it was written by rom-com and teen movie titan John Hughes. Interesting. But he did not put his name on the credits. He has a pen name that I'd have to assume he uses for projects which embarrass him. Yeah. (laughs) And the pen name is Edmund Dantes, which is the title character and protagonist. Yeah, the Count of Monte Cristo. (laughs) So in the book, Dantes is an intelligent, honest, and loving man who turns bitter and vengeful after he is framed for a crime he did not commit. Mm -hmm. And... Wouldn't it be so funny if that that was actually why he picked that as the name? Like, I did not commit this crime. <laughs> Made in Manhattan was not my doing. It must be, like, one of those things where, like, the studio, like, got a hold of it and made a bunch of changes that, like, just didn't fit in with what he had originally intended. Precisely. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. It was originally not supposed to star Jennifer Lopez, and I'm having trouble remembering. I have a feeling that none of these movies were originally supposed to star Jennifer Lopez because they just seem like they just had this other story and they like made no changes around the fact that like the lead of this movie was Jennifer Lopez. And like I said, she brings such like, a unique, not only, like, look to the role, but also just mm-hmm. kind of gravitas. Like I said, I do think she is a really good actress. And, like, they kind of just didn't account for that at all. Yeah, and there were some interesting things to note about this, one of which was that the film was originally titled The Chambermaid. <laughs> As though that's a term we use still. Was it set in modern times then? Yes! Oh, gross. Then it was called Uptown Girl, which for obvious reasons, they couldn't go with that. It was described as Cinderella type story, which we already talked about. Okay, so John Hughes was initially announced as the film's director with Hilary Swank set to star as the lead. Gotta say, I think it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah. Like, I see it being a lot darker and grittier for some reason. Mm-hmm. I just don't see Hilary Swank, like, doing great in rom-coms. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of one that she's in. Yeah. So, yeah, and John Hughes was going to direct the movie, um, and both of them, you know, confirmed in July 2001 that they were not part of the movie anymore. Then... Jennifer Lopez enters negotiations. It's still called The Chambermaid. And then at some point in 2002, they renamed it Made in Manhattan. So what happened was they had done principal photography before 9-11. And I think they had to go back and change some things. So yeah, principal photography commenced in New York in April, just months after the terrorist attacks of September 11th in which the twin towers of the World Trade Center, visible in some unused pre-production footage, were destroyed and concluded by June 2002. So it basically they just, like, they either redid or edited the principal photography for the film. Gotcha. But as we were going through some notes just a, a second ago, mm-hmm. off mic, mm-hmm. 
there were quite a lot of movies that changed and I noticed like not all of them came out right after September 11th so like I think some movies just like independently decided to like edit footage of the World Trade Centers because it was like triggering or something Mm. yeah yeah it was interesting apparently uh the filming of this movie caused quite a stir with the paparazzo Mm. the paparazzi I could imagine And the director, Wayne Wang, said no one in the production was prepared for it. (laughs) And you know who they were there to see. Yeah. Because they were in the Bronx. Yep. They were there to see Jenny. Yeah. I mean. Certainly weren't there to see Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, it's J-Lo in New York. Of course. It's like, of course. Yeah. So we kind of assigned each other these movies. I had never seen Made Manhattan. Amy had never seen monster-in-law and i saw fiends and i'm like oh jesus the hot one yes i like him no no different fiends (laughs) totally different fiends okay yeah ralph fiends looks kind of like a janky mashup of like liam neeson and harrison ford I can see that. He's like, you know, the ugly bald one. Doesn't he usually play a villain? Maybe, you know, I'm not sure. He doesn't do great as a leading man, I'll put it that way. Like, the fact that Natasha Richards and Jennifer Lopez both want this man is like, (laughs) he's rich guy hot. So, like, when you see people describe, like, a rich dude as, like, the most handsome, eligible bachelor, but then he looks like Don Jr., mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's rich guy hot. They're all ugly. This is, like, the least offensive-looking one in this zip code. Let's give him a little <laughs> more credit than <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was expecting the hot fiends. And then imagine my shock when I saw that there were, like, five of them. I still think that that comparison is a little too harsh for it. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm being a little dramatic here. But I just think it's it's weird that Joseph looks like he does, and this guy looks like he does. And I want to say, are they twins? I don't know. Maybe. Early life and family. I... Okay, so Jacob Fiends is... Joseph's twin brother. So, like, I only thought there was one. Then I saw, okay, there's Ralph and Joseph. Then Joseph has a twin. And then there's all these other ones, too. And I'm like, this family. Oh, he's the guy who played Baltimore. Who? Uh, Ralph? Mm-hmm. See, that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. You want him to be Voldemort, and you also want him to be J-Lo's love interest. Unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he usually plays... The bad guy and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. Joseph Fiennes didn't play Jesus, did he? Am, am I am I getting that mixed up? He know. was Shakespeare in love. Oh, I don't know who that guy was. I know who you're talking about, though. You never saw Shakespeare in no, love? No, I did, but I don't know what the actor's name is. But I know who Oh, okay. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Made in Manhattan. So, we have an unbelievable <laughs> male lead. Who's a derivative of his hotter brother. Okay. And then we have J-Lo as a maid. Okay, so let, let me let me set this up, okay? J-Lo, she's a hardworking single mom. 
She lives in the Bronx. Her name is Marissa, which is funny because the real name of her Latina supporting lady slash best friend in this movie's real name is Marissa. So I'm sure that was confusing for her. So yeah, she's single mom. Her kid is like the actor who played him now. He's like studly. (laughs) I looked him up because, you know, I was looking up all the actors and then it just like, oh God, I forgot this movie came out like 15 years ago or something. (laughs) Longer than that, maybe. So she works in this fancy hotel. And she works for, and this is where we get into, like, the all-star cast situation, which, you know, really leads me to believe that, like, no one is above making these kinds of movies Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Everybody needs a fucking payday. So just uh, a little taste. We got J-Lo as Marissa Ventura, the lead character, Ralph Fiennes as Christopher. Okay. Christopher. Natasha Richardson is Caroline Lane, and Stanley Tucci is Ralph Fiennes' like right hand man guy. He's like a local politician and a Republican. And oh, that's the other thing I totally forgot this about the movie. It's been a few weeks since I watched it. The son is like obsessed with the seventies, and so when he meets Ralph Fiennes for the first time, he's listening to a cassette, and he's like, "What are you listening to?" And he's like, "The Best of Bread." and i remember when that fucking compilation was re-released in the early 2000s because my mom bought it (laughs) and i was like why do i know anything about the best of bread and i saw that it was like recorded a while ago but yeah it was re-released in the early 2000s so i was like cool cool i know exactly the train of thought that this happened (laughs) so yeah this kid's obsessed with the 70s he did a report on nixon and he basically like like ralph fiend's Somehow, like, he finds out that he's a Republican, and he's like, are you a liar, too, or something like that? <laughs> this little shit. <laughs> this is this is the kind of snark that you want out of the Hollywood elite, in quotes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the kind of, like, wisecracking little kid humor that I love about the early aughts and 90s rom-coms. Indeed. So then, basically, J-Lo, her conflict arises because... She is promoted to be trained as a butler, which is very elite. Mm-hmm. Her boss is Frances Conroy from American Horror Story. Okay. Which, after just seeing the most recent season, is so funny. She just plays her, like, uptight lady hotel boss. And then she is trained to become a butler by Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Richardson's best friend is Amy Sedaris as the racist Rachel Hoffberg. Aw, Amy. Like, every time Jailer's in the room, she's like, Como estas? Like, uh. <laughs> oh, she barely speaks English. She's just the maid. Uh, you know, Yeah. Amy Sedaris does that character a lot and, like, we should be retired if it isn't already. Mm-hmm. If only, like, that was retired in our culture in general, which unfortunately it is not. So reflections are still, I don't know, a little bit justified. I wish they didn't have as much basis in reality as they do. Yeah, Amy Sedaris's only purpose in this movie is to gas up Natasha Richards and give J-Lo an opportunity to like hit her with some quick one-two punch liners Mm -hmm. before she leaves the room. 
Mm-hmm. So she's being trained as butler. She's got to worry about the big promotion at work, mm-hmm. which is also a rom-com trope. Mm-hmm. I'm up for the big promotion and being in love will conflict with my big promotion. Mm-hmm. So she is cleaning in Caroline Lane slash Natasha Richardson's room with her friend. Let's see who is Stephanie. Stephanie, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa look at this all white suit wouldn't you look so good in this all white suit oh no the early 2000s love an all white ensemble because it's so easy to mess up and then oh no yeah it was like a five thousand dollar like knit like three piece Mm -hmm. suit Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh my god you have to try this on you have to try this on yeah so then for like no reason that I can understand Ralph Fiennes ends up in that room and mm-hmm. sees her and thinks that she is Caroline Lang. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, damn, she looks good in that all-white suit. Mm-hmm. Looking like milk. Mm-hmm. And he thinks her son is cute. And he's like, come take a walk with me. And Stanley Tucci's like, what are you doing? You're running for the office. Yeah. You're a candidate. <laughs> yes conflict of interest (laughs) and they are photographed by the paparazzi outside the hotel with her wearing this woman's clothes Mm -hmm. so rom-com hijinks aside like how fucking furious would you be if you had like a really special outfit in your hotel room that had been freshly dry cleaned Mm -hmm. or you thought was freshly dry cleaned because you asked somebody to do it and then instead they were like wearing it out on the street in the park yeah yeah i like i love j-lo but uh that's not cool it's not cool (laughs) yeah and also like i think that this is one of those things that leads to really negative stereotypes of people who actually do this work because you know that they do not actually have time to mess with your stuff they have so much work to do and so many rooms to clean and like they work really hard and when stupid stuff like this is in movies people who have no experience Mm -hmm. or know no one personally who does that work these like stereotypes stick in their head like the maids are gonna steal your Mm -hmm. stuff the maids are gonna like mess up your stuff they're gonna try on your nice things they're gonna do like all of this stuff that's one of those things that like is really annoying like be more creative come up with another conflict that doesn't make these things seem like people are violating your boundaries when they're really just trying to do their fucking job yeah coming from someone who is basically a professional maid i've been in many people's houses alone by myself i've never felt inclined to put their clothes on Uh, (laughs) not once i don't even sit down on their furniture very often because the longer i'm there the more work i'm not doing and then the longer it takes me to do my job like this whole rom-com thing especially where they're like cover for me you know, that doesn't happen. That You just get fired. If somebody's like, hey, where is Marissa? And you're like, uh, uh, she's over there. And then they don't see her for another hour. Like, they're both gonna get fired. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this weird, like, romanticization of, like, working class jobs where it's like, oh, you know, there are, like, hidden perks that you can get for yourself, like, trying on clothes and dreaming about something else yeah. while you're doing, like, this inherently, like disrespected role yes and they're adding to the disrespect i think by portraying it that way and if you work really really hard you can be someone's butler (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh god that's not how it works y'all 
I wish. I wish I could get paid butler money. I'm too sweaty to be a butler. I wish people who worked <laughs> those jobs got paid good money because they're taking care of you. And, like, you should value people who are taking care of you. The end. <laughs> That's what is so nice about setting my own wages is, mm-hmm. you know, as my schedule gets more competitive, I still have a sliding scale always, but, like, I can charge more because I can actually, like, you know, if I'm in higher demand, then my time is worth more. Mm-hmm. Period. And, you know, I've looked at, like, going legit as a, you know, a full-time employee of a cleaning company. They pay, like, 11 or $9 an hour. And, like, the, like, hotel industry has, like, its own, like, really exploitative practices when it comes to that on top of, like, just regular cleaning agencies. So, yeah, that's all to be, like, kept in mind while we're watching the Cinderella story. <laughs> Yes, yes. Like, I love my job. It is not a great job for most of the people who have to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's she's photographed in this outfit. And then the whole conflict is preventing Ralph Fiennes from figuring out that she's not Caroline and preventing Caroline from finding out that she's imitating her and wearing her clothes. Mm. which never happens in real life never ever 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 her job is worth more to her than five minutes in a fancy outfit she didn't give a shit yeah but also like i love how some of these like conflicts like do not hold up to the test of time now that social media exists the way it does because it's like Mm -hmm. there's no way someone doesn't just like instantly do a background check and find out that this person isn't who they say they are anymore this like could not happen to anyone in power anymore like they would instantly be vetted and been found out and that's it (laughs) so basically what happens is that ralph fiends tells stanley tucci like invite caroline to my suite for lunch well if you're sending a message to caroline it's going to go to natasha richards not so natasha richards gets all twitter pated about ralph fiends Mm -hmm. and shows up to this lunch which oh by the way J-Lo is training to be a butler at this same lunch. So she's, like, hiding behind glasses and, like, ducking around corners and throwing her voice and, you know, shenanigans, shenanigans, uh, nonsense, nonsense. Eventually her cover is blown. She gets fired, which, you know, if this were a thing that happened in real life, then yeah. Like, that would would be the, the thing to do. But... Yeah, and then I think Ralph Fiennes is mad at her for, like, five minutes. Like, Natasha Richards is pissed. And then I can't remember what happens exactly, but, you know, there's, like, that twinkle in your eye moment where the actor puts on their I'm thinking about something face. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait! And then they run after the person. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, he learns that he can find love with a chambermaid. I mean, a maid in Manhattan. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, like, the ending of the story is kind of a blur because, you know, you really pay attention the first 20, 30 minutes and then drift away from it. Like, I don't remember a lot of the details after that, but... Legitimately, the only thing I remember about this movie, because I watched it, like, closer to when it came out, like, 15 years ago, was the ending montage, like, with the credits where it shows, like, J-Lo, like, starting, like, I don't know, like, a maid business. That's or right. becoming, like... She's on, like, the cover of, like, Butler Monthly or something. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And then, like, I think she gets her job back at the hotel, and it's like, 
that would not happen. Well, I don't know. The that, thing that is, that may be a peak of reality. You're you're dating a rich guy, and suddenly all the rules are different for you. Yeah, Maybe that is reality. Yeah, I think that's the most <laughs> real aspect of that whole movie. <laughs> it's like amazing what you can achieve when suddenly you have access to resources. Yeah, the audacity of this movie to play J Lo like a lowly anything, and to play Natasha Richards like a bitch, and to play Ralph Fiennes like a heartthrob, like. The only person who was correctly cast in this movie was Amy Sedaris. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, the thing is, I totally believe J-Lo as someone who would perform, like, working-class work, like, if you know, like, her story and things like that. She's, like, Mm -hmm. a very hardworking person. She is from a working-class neighborhood. And, like, I don't think that's, like, out of the realm for her to portray, but I just think that... The sheen that these movies put on that portrayal don't allow J-Lo to, like, do justice to it, you know? Because they're like, no, you can't Mm -hmm. actually, like, show how, like, a maid works. You have to show, like, my very entitled idea of what a maid's work is. Yeah. And it just, like, doesn't end up good in the end, I guess. I think I texted you the morning after and I was like, how dare you make me watch this movie? (laughs) Yeah, it definitely just, like, misses the mark, I think. And, you know, John Hughes knew that. Yeah. <laughs> he knew it was going to miss the mark, and that's why Edmund Dantes wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me what you thought about Monster-in-Law. I saw this movie in the theater with, okay, this is a good backstory. It was a date movie with a guy who I thought liked me, and then he didn't. And then we thought he was gay, and then I found out, like, maybe a year ago that he wasn't gay, and I'm like, man, he just didn't like, and that's why he took me to see Monster-in-Law. That's not a date movie. But plot twist, you're gay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist, I'm the dyke. I just wanted someone to be in love with me real bad. (laughs) And you have all the notes to prove it. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Well, when you are young, that is desperately what you want. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, yeah, uh, Main Manhattan came out in 2002. Monster-in-Law came out in 2005. So, speaking of J-Lo being hardworking, like, she filmed a lot of these movies basically on top of each other while she was still putting out albums and making, like, paparazzi and red carpet appearances and looking fabulous doing all of it. Yeah. Like, the freshest face, mm-hmm. always, always. Yeah. But she is hauling ass from one set to the next. Yes. And like I said, when I was, like, watching the credits, it's like, Jane Fonda, like, Jane Fonda. J-Lo. Love J-Lo. Wanda Sykes is in it. I forgot about her! Love Wanda Sykes. Uh, the guy who plays the lead is Michael Vartan, and he was, like, in Alias, and he was, like, I mean, he's, like... A decent, okay, yeah, you'd be in love with that guy if you're in a rom-com. And then also, the guy who plays Ben on Parks and Rec is in it as, like, her roommate. Oh! Yeah, and I'm like, I like him. Adam Adam Scott? Scott. Yeah, I was like, I like him, too. Okay, like, maybe I won't hate this movie. I was wrong. I, I did. I did hate it. But the basic plot is he's a doctor. J-Lo is a temp. 
artist <laughs> lady who she walks dogs. She does like reception at a doctor's office, dentist. Oh my office god, or is something. this movie about me? <laughs> <laughs> I I have the most random assortment of jobs. I make jewelry. I do a podcast. I clean people's houses, and apparently, I also do a surgery shuttle service now too like it's just happened yeah and then i tell people it happened and then it happens again so there you go here we are that's how that happens (laughs) yeah so adam scott is her roommate and she's just kind of she doesn't want she doesn't want like a full-time job like she wants like the freedom to like live that way and she's very nice you know there are like scenes where some guys like a dick to a barista but he drops twenty dollars and she like puts it in the tip jar and is like karma you know like (laughs) she's a nice person you know so one time hashtag nice girl when she's temping and like there's this whole stupid scene where she talks about like what she wants in a guy or something and it's just stupid like i want someone who like makes a difference and blah 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 and it's just like who wrote this like it reminds me of uh Cameron Diaz's little thing and something about Mary like I just would eat a hot dog and drink beers because I'm a regular girl yeah who's also super hot and tall yeah and just um there's a voice that JLo is doing that is not JLo's voice in this movie really it's really affected it's like I remember her being prissier in this movie than in most of her roles like usually she's like the down-to-earth girl who grew up humble. Right. I mean, and she still has a little bit of, of that, but she definitely, there's, like, no grit to it at all. It is just okay. all very sugar-sweet. So she doesn't have, like, a backstory that makes her, like, hashtag different. Well, like, her parents are dead. That's alluded to. Oh, okay. That's her backstory. She's an orphan. But yeah, no, like, her thing is just, like, taking life as it comes, like, Almost manic pixie dream girl. It's a JLo. Like, she's a Yeah, stunner. JLo's too, like, calculated is the wrong word, but, like, she knows what she's doing. She's not all over the place. Yeah, and, like, there's just a thing where very, very much in this movie, they treat JLo as though she is, like, a normal-looking woman. You can put JLo in a dress with some jeans under it, early 2000s oh yeah i forgot about that that does not make her an everyday woman like she is just stunning and like you have to address the fact that like she is just a stunning person (laughs) to look at like yeah of course michael vartan running on the beach is gonna turn and look at freaking j-lo i don't care if she's wearing jeans under a dress (laughs) like that's going to happen it's not a shocking thing that a guy would be looking at her you know, you could definitely, like, rewrite it to be, like, yes, these guys look at me, but that, but those types of guys aren't the types of guys I'm looking for or something. Like, you have to address yeah. that because it's not believable that no one's looking at her. No. Normal girls don't have their asses insured. Yeah. So that's silly. And then she's miraculously temping as a waitress for her friend's catering company at his party for his big return to town, and he's a doctor. Okay. And she, like, overhears some feat that he did as a doctor, and she makes a remark about how impressive it is, and, like, this blonde girl who's really into him is all, I can't believe she spoke to us and was listening to our conversation, but of course he's... Is the blonde girl a major actress? No. 
but she's like the she's like the foil right who they're gonna try to Mm -hmm, like contrast mm -hmm. with j-lo she's like of his same class and same group and stuff like that and she's blonde and j-lo has brown hair. yeah and so but obviously he's interested in j-lo and recognizes that she's the one he he saw on the beach and he wants to get uh-huh. to know her and so they start to date and you know fall in love and then the movie cuts pretty drastically from like this is what's happening with them over to what's happening with jane fonda who is his mom And Uh who we get, like, one scene of him ignoring her paging him. That's it. Ah, being paged. (laughs) Yeah, but also to kind of, like, hint at the fact that, like, his mother is a little overbearing and calls him all the time. I want to know if his mom is the only one that's paging him because it's 2005 now. Well, he's also, like, a doctor, right? So you have the idea he would be paged for the hospital, Uh, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. So we have this one instance of him ignoring his mom. One. But that is supposed to set us up to believe that his mother is overbearing and not just someone who calls her son once. But anyway, she is like a famous newswoman. Like, newswoman. she has interviewed the Dalai Lama and she's friends with Oprah and just like everyone. And she has this huge house and everything. And she's going to a big meeting. And the last time she went to a big meeting, she got her promotion and that turned her into who she is. But this meeting was to tell her that they're replacing her with a younger woman. <gasps> you mean basically half of the plot to Grace and Frankie? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're replacing her with a younger woman, and she's set to go from that meeting to interview a Britney Spears-type pop star on her show. Okay. And so she tries to like make it a little serious and is like, what do you think about Roe v. Wade? And she's like, I don't even like boxing. It's too violent. And for some reason, this breaks this professional newswoman and she screams and lunges at this pop star as if to choke her. <laughs> Why would anyone be like randomly talking about Roe v. Wade in 2005? Like, yeah. I mean, I know, like, abortion rights were, you know, under attack, but, like, not in the way that they are in 2021. Right. It was not the topic of conversation daily. I think it's just the very overt way to say, like, Jane Fonda's character cares about real issues and all these young girls care about stupid stuff. And... And so then she goes, like, she has, like, a mental breakdown. She goes to, like, a facility where she gets her life back together. And Wanda Sykes picks her up. And she's like, oh, I'm all better. And I'm going to have lunch with my son. And So Wanda Sykes is, like, her assistant. Right. Okay. And Wanda Sykes is like, oh, yeah, and his girlfriend. And so his mom is like, what? I don't know about this girlfriend. Which is where I'm going to start on my thesis about this movie, which is that the son is the worst son in the world. Okay. Like, first off, he blows off his mom's one phone call and acts like she's overbearing because he she called him once. Like, they could have shown me her calling him more than that if they wanted to make that a thing. Okay. Then, throughout her whole time in rehab, he doesn't mention that he has a girlfriend who he wants her to meet. I mean, no wonder she doesn't like her. She doesn't know anything about her. And she's like a total surprise. Mm-hmm. And so they meet for lunch. JLo's like sweet and very nervous and wants to impress his mom and is very impressed by her house and all the people she knows and all of those things. And they meet and they are getting along really great. And the son is like watching his mom and his 
girlfriend get along so well and decides this is the perfect time, the first time I'm seeing my mom since she's gotten out of a mental health facility, mm-hmm. and the first time meeting my girlfriend, and I am going to propose. No! He proposes at the table? Yeah. Right there? Yeah. Okay, People who propose in front of their families, I understand that, like, I'm just, like, not that person and that I have different expectations from a moment like that. But, like, I can't think of anything worse. No. And honestly, like, especially in, like, this very specific situation where Wanda Sykes' character had even pulled him over at the beginning of this lunch and being like, are you sure it's a good idea to, like be springing this relationship on your mom like this like she just got out of this thing like she probably needs some time to adjust and he's like no no she's gonna love it like he has no idea what's good for his mom he's like so he's such a bad son and then Jane Fonda is like okay I'm gonna give you two like a moment and she like goes and she tries to like meditate and like she tries to like have this good reaction and then she's like oh wait they must be getting married because like she's expecting or something Uh. so she goes back and she's like you know like if you're expecting you know there are other options now you don't have to get married you can like do adoption or abortion (laughs) like all this (laughs) stuff and it's like Roe v. Wade is on her mind apparently and they're just like no no like she's not pregnant And And also, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, and as someone who got married really quickly, Mm -hmm. it is so rude to say that someone's marriage is about a pregnancy. Yeah. That happened to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, don't say that ever to anyone. It's not nice. Like, if they want to tell you, they'll tell you. It's not... Yeah, it's not appropriate. If I had thought that, I probably would have just asked you, but, like, it didn't even come up. Yeah, because I would have said something. Yeah, you would have been excited. Yeah, and so... Or freaked out, or both. <laughs> yeah, so just don't don't ask. That's, that's a let people tell you situation every single time. Just, like, like any time you think somebody might be pregnant, don't. Just, like, don't. Yeah. Just stop. You think that, like, their body looks like they might be pregnant? Just don't. They'll tell you if they are. Believe me. They'll (laughs) be wanting to inform people. (laughs) Yes. And if they don't, respect that, too. I'm going to tell everyone. (laughs) It's like, person at the checkout, I'm pregnant. So after that extremely awkward situation, J-Lo rightly asks as they're leaving and they're alone in their car, do you think your mom liked me? And he's like, of course she did. Why would you think not? And she's like, I don't know, maybe because she asked me if I was pregnant. And she had to go meditate in the middle of getting coffee. (laughs) Yeah, you know, anyway, so this guy just has like no clue about his mother. Like all of this problem is because he is a terrible son. (laughs) Can I just say like, I haven't really been in, like, a mother-in-law situation like this. You know, I've been pretty fortunate to have, like, either boyfriends and girlfriends whose moms either, like, didn't give a shit about me at all, or we got along. But mm-hmm. I have been in this situation with, like, the boyfriend and the ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know? Or a boyfriend and the friend who's always around. And the whole, like, ignorance thing of, like, these two women are having issues, and I consider that women's issues, so... I'm just going to pretend like nothing is happening and I have no responsibility or culpability in inflaming this conflict. Mm-hmm. I hate that shit yeah. so much. And that's entirely like what this movie is because 
very shortly after, like, Jane Fonda is trying to figure out why this is bothering her so much, and she just cannot relate to this woman who only wants to be a temp and has no, like, career ambitions, and she's a career woman who cares about those things, and for some reason, this character's lack of career ambition means that her son will never be happy and it will hold him back, and... She has, like, five jobs! And so she has to, she has to, like break it up. So she goes through like many different plots to do this. One is to throw a big party, make JLo feel out of place because she's fancy and she knows fancy people. Oh, well, that was nice of her. She buys JLo a fancy dress that doesn't fit her. That is evil. Uncomfortable and she and then she like sets up that one prissy blonde woman to go hit on Michael Vartan and of course JLo catches that and thinks that he's cheating on her for like a single second. She thinks that and then she starts crying about how she doesn't fit in there and wants to leave and completely forgets the fact that he just kissed another woman. Oh wait, he kissed her. Well, like she like kissed him. And he was, like, pushing her off of him as, like, JLo was coming in. He was just like, it's a misunderstanding. And then she completely shifts to being super uncomfortable. And he comforts her and they leave. Honestly, that does sound like real life in a way. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, I don't have the capacity to deal with this right now because I'm already uncomfortable. So I'm just going to ignore that thing right now. Mm-hmm. So they leave and everything. And that plan fails. And then his mom calls and like wants to make it up to her or something and as she's talking to her on the phone like Michael Vartan is like touching her and tickling her and stuff like that and she's like please stop I'm talking to your mother and is laughing and having a good time and the mom is like so offended that they're being in any way sexual towards each other you know that's real while they're on the phone but once again this is the son's fault he won't stop, yes. like, touching JLo while she's asking him to, while she's talking to his mom. Like, this is a problem created by the son, not JLo. Again, mm-hmm. he's the worst son in the world. But what happens is they go to lunch and... Who goes to lunch? Jane Fonda and JLo. Okay, so they're, like, gonna, they're gonna try to bond, they're gonna try mm-hmm. to straighten things out. Jane Fonda, like, pushes, like, her idea of what the wedding should be on JLo and, like, keeps like kind of being a little bit insulting and stuff like that during lunch and finally JLo snaps and yells at her and she like faints and has to be like hospitalized to which the son comes and then this doctor this psychiatrist comes out and says like I think that she's like on the verge of like a total mental breakdown and that she should you know be looked after by family is, did she pay this doctor to say that, or is this, like, his actual medical opinion? So he turns out to be a fake doctor that she paid to ah, say that. He turns okay. out to be, like, an actor. Only in a sitcom or a, or a rom-com. Nobody be- <laughs> hires fake people. Here's the thing, though. No <laughs> psychiatrist who believes that their patient is in jeopardy of having a severe mental break would say spend time with family and not be monitored by professionals. Yeah, sometimes family, and I would say often most of the time, family is the source of that psychological drama. And I am just saying that a son who is supposed to be a medical doctor should maybe have been able to figure that out. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, but to move the plot along, despite that entirely unbelievable scenario, he's supposed to be going to a quote-unquote medical conference. That's how they describe it. 
Just a medical. Is he going to a conference for the company so that maybe one day he'll get the promotion? Something like that, yes. <laughs> the big promotion. And then, sh- so J-Lo and Jane Fonda are going to be stuck together with the idea that J-Lo should be taking extra good care of his mother. Wait, why are they stuck together? Because she's supposed to be cared for by close family. Oh, right, right, right. So it it wasn't urgent enough for him to, like, cancel his plans, but J-Lo can cancel her dog walking and her art time and whatever the fuck else she's into. Yes, and so they come home with Jane Fonda on medications, which end up turning out to be, like, vitamin C chews, because all of this is a ruse to try to drive J-Lo crazy. Also, vitamin C, like, interacts with a lot of stuff, and I feel like it's presented as, like, a really benign thing, but there's a lot of drug interactions, and you should Google it before taking it. All right, I'm done. (laughs) A helpful PSA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, like, the setup, right? And then Jane Fonda acts ridiculous and prevents J-Lo from sleeping and all of this stuff and is just, like, altogether behaves terribly towards this person who is going to be her family. Where's Wanda? Why isn't Wanda taking care of her? Isn't that her job? Um, yeah, but, you know, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be family, right? And Even so, though they're not related. Yeah, so anyways. So all of this happens. Eventually, J-Lo figures out that she has been tricked. And so she tricks her back and, like, basically sedates her by cooking her a, and this is the first time J-Lo's ethnicity is brought up in this. Uh-huh. A meal that her mother loved to make, which they don't actually define, but is portrayed as so ethnic that it is disgusting to Jane Fonda. Oh, good. But nonetheless, she eats enough of it to fall asleep with her face in the dish. And she drugs her with this special recipe also, which is... Yeah, not great. I mean, I understand you're at your limit, but also don't drug people. I love how they give JLo characters like this one random sadistic impulse that is not like something that happens in normal life yeah (laughs) anyways it comes down to the day of the wedding and j-lo's in white and the mother-in-law is continuing to be terrible and plot twist jane fonda's mother-in-law arrives at the wedding and what comes in and dresses down jane fonda and talks about how you know, she was a terrible fit for her husband and how she never wanted her to marry her and all this stuff and is just treating Jane Fonda terribly. And she turns around to J-Lo oh, and she's shit. like, look at my grandson. He got himself a fiery Latina. Second mention oh. of J-Lo's ethnicity. The end of the freaking movie. Wait, the the movie ends? Well, so it ends with J-Lo like watching that mother-in-law leave and looking at Jane Fonda and being like, fine, you know what? I'm not going to marry your son because I don't want you. I don't want to become you. I don't want to be doing this until, you know, I'm old and have kids. Well, that's not it either. Like, (laughs) And then Jane Fonda, like, has her realization that she's been treating this person as badly as she was treated. And she doesn't want to be that way. And so she apologizes. And J-Lo gives a big, like, accepting speech about how she wants their relationship to be and all this stuff. And they get married. Happy ending. And that's the movie and cool like i said (laughs) this all could have been prevented with like a semblance of an emotionally intelligent son (laughs) for like the fact that his mother is going through a hard time (laughs) you know we're really trying to make him do the least when he's just a poor man's luke perry (laughs) 
just saying, he can't get away with, with all that, you know, even if he is a doctor. Yeah, it just seems like, yeah, like that, that was my takeaway from the movie was just like, this is, one, it's totally outlandish. And it's supposed to be, right? It's a comedy that's supposed to take something that's normal, which is like a mother-in-law and a Mm -hmm. daughter-in-law not getting along and making it like slapstick funny. It's so vague. Mm -hmm. And then also in random moments so specific, like poisoning her, that anyone can kind of get something out of it. Yeah. You know, the people who like have really mundane problems with their family or in-laws, but like have secretly fantasized about poisoning them. <laughs> oh, and this is another like random thing that they stuck in there every now and again. Like when like someone says something to the characters that they don't like, it shows a scene of like what they wish they would do. So there's like one where like JLo hits Jane Fonda over the head with a frying pan. I'm going to be honest. I'm a sucker for that shit. I love I love like a little like, fantasy double take yeah and then there's one where like Jane Fonda like does something else but like my only problem with that is that the first time they do that with Jane Fonda it's completely believable because she attacked the pop star and that really happened and so it's like I don't know and I really came away with it like is that showing her like her therapy in motion inside her brain not even no not even that sophisticated (laughs) just just what it is. Like, oh, I'm not going to actually follow through with it. I'm just going to fantasize about slapping her in the face. But the thing about the portrayal of this, and especially the portrayal of, like, the fake diagnosis and the fake pills and all that stuff is that, that I think is really negative, is that it makes you think that people who are suffering from mental illness are treating you badly with intent. Yeah. Most of the time that is not true. You know what I mean? Oh no, I know firsthand. Like, I've had breakdowns and then gone into intensive therapy. And like, you know, there's a nugget of reality in those moments, but the importance is amplified by thousands. And so that's why your reactions to things are so over the top. Like, You're not in what we like to call wise mind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so that kind of bothered me. And I just was really annoyed that like the medical doctor did not see through like the fake psychiatrist. Just for people who, like I said, who are watching this as like pure entertainment and don't maybe don't have experience with dealing with people who do have legitimate like mental breakdowns, Mm -hmm. you know, like that becomes a part of what they passively think of as a mental Mm -hmm. breakdown and that's not what it looks like and that's not what those interactions are about and I just like really didn't like the fact make her act irrationally and do all of that stuff but like you don't have to tie it to mental illness no and the you know the pop star didn't do anything wrong like why did they not show the pop star being completely fucking traumatized because some woman wanted to choke her because she's hot and dumb, like... And young, you know? Yeah, she's not like, even dumb. She's just, oh, you don't know the name of a specific piece of legislation from the Supreme Court? From the 70s. Amy, yeah. quick, name every Supreme Court case. I know that one's really important, but, like... Yeah. It was... This girl grew up pre-internet. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's, like... It seems really cheap to me. Like I said, like, I think a lot of, like, the basis for, like, these rom-com films are, like, really fun. 
And I wish that, like, just there was a little bit more creativity in making, like, these uh, these roundabout scenarios mm-hmm. where people come together, create conflict, that don't just kind of slump on, like, these really negative stereotypes that actually are kind of harmful to people when you, like, take two seconds to think about them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the reaction to this film movement of, like, bubblegum rom-coms was thematic pixie dream girl indie film Mm -hmm. which was a major overcorrect (laughs) (laughs) then we get bullshit like 500 days of summer and garden state not gonna lie as a teen i really loved those movies (laughs) i never got into garden state because it just felt a little too weird but i did like i did like the other one mostly because i dressed like her and like i speaking of the poor man's i was the poor man's (laughs) salutation I bought polka dot dresses and had long brown hair and blue eyes and like... And the bangs. Yeah. Yeah, I did cut my own bangs with kitchen scissors. That's very, uh... Yeah. It's very her. But but cat cutting their bangs <laughs> with kitchen scissors is different from everyone else doing it because your mom is a hairstylist. <laughs> so you actually kind of know what you're doing when you cut your own bangs. I mean... Was it my, I specifically remember doing this in your dorm in like the back, back of someone's door mirror and, uh, I mean, it's not my best work, but considering <laughs> the tools that I had to work with, some of the pictures from that haircut are my favorites. Yeah. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like, mm. I love that picture of him in thigh-high fishnets with a little top hat on. Mm. He's a gem. I'm such a simp for straight cis guys, like, wearing women's clothing. I I wish I wasn't, but I am. I am. I'm a product of my generation. I'm like, ah, Harry Styles in a dress. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) What's not to love? (laughs) Yeah, I give them way too much credit for wearing beautiful clothing and looking hot. That's fair. (laughs) So hard. Yeah. But All right, that has nothing to do with J-Lo or rom-coms. But speaking of hot, we can get back to J-Lo and how, like, this movie just <laughs> yes. totally did her dirty. Because a lot of the criticism fell on, like, J-Lo's bad acting, which I think was focused a lot on, like, that sugary sweet voice she was affecting for the role. Yeah. But I will say that, like, I think that it also had a lot to do with the way that, like, the script was just, like, not written around the fact that, like, the character is being played by J-Lo. And you just have to make those little adjustments to the fact that J-Lo is an unnaturally attractive woman. Like, she is, like, a little bit extra in those roles. So you can, like, make her seem, like, you can have her playing people with normal jobs, but, like, you have to, like, understand how, one, you know, men react to her to how women react to her because she's incredibly beautiful like it would be a lot more believable to be like I'm this person's mother-in-law and I don't like that she's not professional when professionalism means a lot to me and also she's just like really gorgeous and I'm suspicious of really gorgeous women like she can't be like this normal and this gorgeous all at once it doesn't make sense like they should have had like some element of that in there to make it I don't know, a little bit more relatable than just this woman who hates this other woman for very little reason and whose son treats her like garbage. (laughs) You know what I think is 
interesting about Monster in Law, like just based on what you're telling me and what I, the pieces that I remember from seeing it years ago, is that usually when you get a JLo rom com, it's a very uncomplicated movie, but she's the most complicated character. Mm hmm. Most of the time. She's the one with the backstory or the heart of gold or, like, she's whip smart, but you wouldn't think it because she's the maid. Mm -hmm. But in this one, Jane Fonda's the complicated character, and it just kind of is like, why cast J-Lo at all? Like, why spend J-Lo money when you could have gotten, I don't know, Winona Ryder after the shoplifting, Or you know? any Hallmark <laughs> kind of thing yeah and apparently this was like Jane Fonda's return to making movies I remember it being a really big deal and then I saw it and that was I think my first Jane Fonda movie ever and I was like okay I don't really get what a big deal is yeah and everyone was like oh I really loved her performance I didn't I thought it was like way over the top and like no unrealistic and all of this stuff and I think it's just one of those things where like yeah maybe a little more effort went into just it being a Jane Fonda movie and not a J-Lo movie when, mm -hmm. you know, what audiences are going there for might not necessarily be what the people who made the movie thought they were. Right. And when Jane Fonda made her return to acting, she made a very concerted choice that she was going to be the pantsuit version of Jane Fonda in every single film and TV show. And I respect that about her. But she plays the same character in Grace and Frankie, but that character is way more, like, likable and has a lot more depth and even though she's like really old-fashioned and traditional in a way that most of the time like viewers like me would cringe at mm -hmm. you know she just brings like so much more warmth and that's her acting talent mm -hmm. I don't know if this was just like a rough movie for her getting started or if she, like J-Lo, just does the best with the garbage that she's given and gets yeah. the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. It really seems like everything else was the problem because mm -hmm. there were a lot of really good actors and actresses in this. There At always least. are. <laughs> and and so it's just like, so it's like, what went wrong? Like, this should be totally enjoyable. Like, they definitely can do this. And like I said, J-Lo gets hit a lot for not being a good actress in this movie. But I really think that it has to do with, like, our expectations of what we're getting with J-Lo more so yeah. than her acting. And that should have been, like, taken into account by the writers and the director and, like, everything yeah. about it. Yeah. I think this is kind of how I felt about Happiest Season. It was mm -hmm. not a proper use of Kristen Stewart's talent. <laughs> no, I love Kristen Stewart. People used to make fun of me for saying that I liked her. I mean, I probably did, but now she's a lesbian, so I support her. <laughs> <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, when you have somebody who's like as dynamic as her or Jennifer Lopez, and then you just give them nothing, like, mm -hmm. what are you supposed to do with that? You already signed contracts, like, mm -hmm. you just, you just got to show up and do your job and make the best of it and, you know pray to god that they take it off hulu someday yeah and just an update on our housewives episode i think erica knew okay bye. <laughs> bye thanks for listening to please hate this you can find us at please hate this.com or on instagram at please hate this you can follow me amy at the boxing mongoose on instagram and cat at steer queer y'all on instagram or twitter all episodes are written and recorded by 
by Kat Conley. Audio editing and theme music is by Bruce.